Erica, would you like to have a drink with me on the veranda? Nah, I'm a classy bitch. I'll meet you out on the porch. Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> bitch. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Uh, do we drop an I love you this early? Is that too soon? Are we moving too fast? Well, it's been 15 weeks now, so the end I mean, of summer. It's about that time. It's kind of like the time to do it for a summer romance. Yeah, because then you're going into, yeah, and then you're going into fall, so you get all cozy and snuggly. Mm -hmm. And for the winter, you're hibernating. <laughs> Not shaving those legs. We know. We know. Mm -mm. <laughs> those pits, who cares? You're in a sweater all the time because you're freezing your cooter off. Yeah. But hi, welcome or welcome back. Um, We are finishing up summer shorts and sharp objects today. Mm -hmm. It's a big day. It's a sad day. But also, one door closes, another door opens, some bullshit. I wouldn't say it's a sad day. Summer Shorts is fun, though, because we got to watch so many different shows over the course of 15 weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm ready for the next season. Yeah, I'm really excited for the next season. I think it will be a very cozy, a hint, a cozy few weeks. It is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, me too. Near and dear to my heart, so... And, I'm gonna... and I haven't gotten to watch it with you yeah. or really discuss too much with you other than just, you know, other things that we'll talk about The later. main argument of that show, uh-huh. Is it too on the nose, and if it is, Frank can cut it, to say that we might smell snow in this next season? It's a little on the nose, but that's a good tip for anyone who's listening. Yeah, we might smell snow. Might. Uh... I, I feel like we may be smelling a lot of snow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited. But yeah, this summer's been a lot of fun. Kicked everything off with Firefly. And then, of course, that includes Serenity. And it's really funny since, you know how, like, you don't hear of things and then once you, like, once they mm -hmm. enter your radar, they're everywhere? Yes. I had a sick day in bed all day Saturday. And what I did to occupy my time was I laid in bed and I played games on my phone and uh -huh. I watched part of, I, there's no way I could have watched all of it in one day, but I watched part of this huge compilation playlist of all of the Game Grumps' 10-minute power hours. Yes. I just started at the very beginning and have just been working my way down this list. Uh -huh. And they've mentioned Firefly like once or twice. Really? Mm -hmm. I never caught that. They talk about the last episode. They didn't talk about Serenity at all, but they talk about how weird it is that the last one in Aaron says something like, well, here we are or something. And he like brings uh -huh. up, he's like, yeah. And then they go back and forth trying to remember Jewel Early's name and stuff. And I was like, it's early. It's early. <laughs> it's just been fun, like seeing things like appear in my like radar. Other media. Yeah, because yeah. of what we've watched. Yeah. We started with Firefly and then we coasted into Freaks and Geeks. Backstrom, the show that shall yes. not be named, and now Sharp oh Objects. <laughs> well, at least you can name Sharp Objects, so that's good. So do you want to go ahead and rank them from a most liked to least liked? Do we want to do it, take it one step higher and guess what the other person's ranking is first? Ooh, that would be fun. Let's do that. And we want to be very clear that number five isn't like a bat. Well, for me, but for you, five isn't like awful. It just, you liked the other four more. Yeah. Because I don't think you hated any of these. No, not particularly. I'm doing this on like rewatchability as well. What would I go back and rewatch again? All right. Starting with number five on your list is Harper's Oh, for sure. 102%. <laughs> Easy. Easy. It's not even a question. No. <laughs> Anyone just doing a random Google search, Witsy 
hated and I would assume Harper's Island shows up because of what I put in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. Boo. Yeah, absolutely. I will never go back and watch that show. Like there's there's no way. I said your number five show based on rewatchability, everything we discussed this summer, how things turned out. I think Firefly is probably your number five. Really? You're right. Because you were so disappointed in the whole like Joss Whedon thing and like mm-hmm. how things have panned out. And I know how much you enjoyed some of the other things more. For you, this isn't mm-hmm. like I hated this. I'll never watch it again. But yeah. if you're ranking it on rewatchability, I could just just knew that you would watch some of the others yeah. more before you would watch this There's one. a million other things I would watch before I rewatch Firefly again. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever rewatch Firefly. Mm-hmm. And I said this when we watched it, but I think maybe I would watch a Spasa Spasa Jane compilation. Ooh. Or I would watch Serenity. But I don't think I would go through the effort of sitting down and watching all of Firefly start to finish. I could go back possibly for the Jane episode. But again, Spasa Spasa Jane. <laughs> That's your own personal That's- reasons. <laughs> I'll be in my bunk. (laughs) So yeah, we each got that right. (laughs) Yes. 10 out of 10. So your number four, I think, would be Firefly. Yes. That's exactly what I said. My number four (laughs) is Firefly. Only because you hated Harper's Island more than Firefly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. Cool. Cool, and cool, then cool, cool. I said that your number four would be Backstrom. No. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Do you want to take a second stab at it? It's cheating, but you know. Then I'm going to swap it, I think, with Freaks and Geeks. No. Jesus Christ. Okay, because that leaves your two shows then. Yeah, it's Harper's Island. Okay, that's what I had at number three then. Just because like I would rather watch these other three things again and I enjoyed these other things more than Harper's Island. Okay. I like Harper's Island because it's, as I described it to my friend earlier today, Dylan. Hi, if you're listening, I love you. You're beautiful, handsome bean. Yeah. It's like a corny Agatha Christie, but with less racism. <laughs> So I can enjoy it. It's something I could turn on, but it's not something I would be like, let's do that again now, if you asked. I wouldn't. Um, what's, my, what's, what's number three? Number three, Sharp Objects. Exactly where I put it was number three. Yeah, because I think you liked it. Mm-hmm. And you even said that you would be interested in watching it again. But. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was going to say that. I, I do. I already am like thinking like, oh, I want to sit and watch that again. Because I am one of those people that when I like something or I'm trying to understand it more, I am someone that mm-hmm. repeats media. Uh, yes. You know, I watched the Bo Burnham Inside special at least 10 times. Wow, that's impressive. Um. And then I can't tell you the number of times I've watched Hamilton on Disney Plus Uh or the number of times I watched In the Heights the month that it was on HBO Max. I watched it so much (sighs) because I just wanted to ingest every minute of it that I could. Gotcha. I think your number three is probably Backstrom then. Yes. Okay. Since Harper's Island got bumped down. So yeah, number three would be. Yeah. 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 All right. So number two for you, I think would be Freaks and Geeks. (gasps) Is it Backstrom? Mm -hmm. I put Backstrom as number one for you because I know how much you love that Well, show. here's the thing I'll show you. I think number two for you was Freaks and Geeks, which would leave Sharp mm-hmm. Objects as your number one. Yes. I want to show you my notebook, although this is going to be messy. You'll see I scribbled out Backstrom as number one and put Freaks and Geeks there. I swapped them. Okay. I even doubted so, myself. I would go back and forth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We were close. Yeah. With each other's. Good for us. We know each other very well. I got thrown off with Harper's Island because you went on and on about how much you love that fucking show. So uh. I do. I do love it. But in a like corny, 
I want to show this to someone else to see how much they hate it or just like sit there and look at it and be, this is the dumbest shit I have ever seen in my life. Primey. So how many did you get? Did you, did you get all? No, you got the last two backwards. Uh, so I switched Freaks and Geeks and Backstrom. So I got all of them except for two. Yeah. I only had two backwards too. Mm-hmm. When I did the multiple guesses is where I got really thrown off, but we're not going to count that. Yeah, no. But yeah, good job. So that's our tier list. Feel free to tweet at us your tier list. You can rank it by which episodes you like the best. You can rank it by what show you like the best. Just let us know. That'd be cool. We're wrapping up uh, Sharp Objects today. So do we want to go ahead and get crack-a-lacking? Sure. I will say when I was preparing the notes for us to record, I went, wow, I don't remember some of this already. And we just watched all these yesterday. Well, watching them all yesterday was like I mentioned in last week's episode was... I was trying to ingest everything Mm -hmm. and I allowed myself to, usually when we watch these shows, I am watching them twofold and I remember to watch them twofold of what's going on. Let me get in, like retain the information and also understand the information as we're moving forward so I can Mm -hmm. repeat what I've seen. And this show is so deep and there's so much going on Mm -hmm. and we watch them all together, which, you know, it's fine, but we watch them all together and now I'm just having to go, okay, the weight of this means this and this is this and this level How it all unfolds ties. into that and this show got really dark really fast normally when we watch a show we're five shows this summer and then we watch dexter before so we're six shows deep now we normally hold any discussion that we have about the show until we're actually recording i think there were two or three moments yesterday where we stopped now i wish we'd say those recordings but it is what it is but where we stopped watching to go well what's happening why is this going on and we talked about our feelings in the moment because it was one of those things where you couldn't revisit that conversation it it elicited a very specific conversation Mm -hmm. and a very specific response of this is happening because of this or i don't like the way this character reacted to this yeah and us seeing it differently just because we're two different people with two different experiences exactly There's not one right answer. And I understand like in the moment of the discussion, you're like, well, why could you think this? Or how do you think that way? Mm -hmm. But it really is we're building on our own experiences and there is no right answer. Even if the other person's uncomfortable with the other person's opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is all a piece of fiction. So like. (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I love about this story is that it does elicit conversations. Like Mm -hmm. conversations that I've had with Tanner's mom because we read the book together. This book also helped me talk about my self-harm a lot more openly with her because I felt like it helped her to kind of understand it more. Mm -hmm. It elicits you pulling on life experience and there's not a black and white right answer. Yeah. It's very true to life like that of Camille's not a perfect heroine. No one in the story is perfect by any means, even though some try to be. And I feel like this is some of the best representation of just human nature Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I've seen in media for a while. Yeah. Because like no one in this is perfect. I'm going to jump way ahead, but Camille's body gets revealed to Richard at the very end. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't do the storybook like fantasy try and kiss her better you can see he's very jarred and very i don't want to say moved he's taken aback by it but at the same time he's not running out of the room and like barfing everywhere you know there's no comedic it's just like what the shit have you gone through like what Uh and that's the reason that scene and i'm just going to talk on it briefly Mm-hmm. was the part of the conversation we had had during the show that I paused for us to discuss was I don't think 
Richard could ever understand Camille mm-hmm. fully as another character did when we get to that part because it's two different life experiences, just like you and me when mm-hmm. we're having that conversation. And so what Richard says to Camille at one point in the story, I said, is not unforgivable mm-hmm. for someone in her position. Um, and for someone in his position, it would be unforgivable. And I don't think he could ever fully understand her or be with her for that reason, because she Mm -hmm. has been through so much trauma. He's just not equipped to deal with it. But that doesn't make him a bad person. No, that's his choice. He's just also not equipped. Yeah, I, I can say that I don't like that character. He is a good character and he does come back and help. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for that. That doesn't mean that they're meant to be together though. Right. And I like how it does show that. Yeah. And then I also pose to you that she never even gave him the, the shot to try and understand it too. Yeah. Which, again, I empathize with that a lot. Damaged people do this thing that I talked about earlier. Cut and run. Yeah. You cut your losses and you run to the next thing to try not to get hurt. And so I think that's what she was doing because she was so guarded. I do think we see Camille at the end. I think she would be able to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, until maybe one thing happens yeah but yeah so at least she grew from those experiences i think Mm -hmm. grew into a more whole person yeah i'm glad that you see what i saw in this i appreciate it i appreciate your feedback and your opinions that you gave on it i'm acting like this is my work of art it is not but i just like it's so close to my heart for some reason Mm -hmm. episode five closer we mentioned in last week's episode that Calhoun Day was going to be approaching. We find out that Calhoun Day is this big southern wannabe confederate, except we don't see the C word around We don't here. say the C word in Missouri. But it's basically confederate pride and southern pride for this little boot hill part of Missouri. So yeah. workers are starting to dress up the yard of Adora's home for the celebrations. As Emma's getting ready, her phone starts blowing up with texts of her friends who are reading Camille's article about the murders and they're sending her links and it's friend after friend after friend and Emma's upset, I guess, because she didn't know that it was ready or that Camille mm-hmm. had released it that day and she thought for some reason she was going to be entitled to read it first. It was a very odd reaction, but I mean, I guess when you're talking about friends and family and people you know, it can be personal. Uh. Emma confronts Camille about it. Camille tells her just drop it because their mother's going to hear. And of course, we've mentioned that Adora doesn't want to know anything about the article. Adora is upset that she's even doing any of this reporting. So Camille walks into the kitchen and of course, she's in her normal getup of the long sleeve black or gray t-shirt with jeans. And Adora says absolutely no way can she attend Calhoun Day in this fashion. Because she's under Adora's roof and no one will understand. She has to be dressed the part. The fact that you used Calhoun and fashion in the same sentence, not ironically. So at the beginning, once Camille's article is being revealed, we see more and more townspeople reacting to it. And Richard comes into Vickery's office. Vickery's sort of laying into Richard of, well, you helped her write this. Richard said, I got something out of helping her as well. And Frank, there's a (laughs) quote. Get the finger blaster in the woods. <laughs> That's what he got out of it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. So Adora insists that she's going to take the girls shopping, even though Emma is already dressed, but she's going to take the girls shopping. Also, did you notice she told Alan, she's like, it's just the girls. And then she had Alan drive her into town. Yeah, right. She's such a bitch to Alan, man. 
It's girls only, Alan. Now go get the keys, Alan. And drive us <laughs> girls into town. But you have to stay in the car and listen to your music. Poor Alan. Like, I kind of feel sorry for him, but I also don't. Because uh-uh. <laughs> he's a piece of shit. Adora and the salesperson pick out a bunch of, like, strappy, sleeveless dresses for On Camille. purpose. Oh, of course. Well, not the salesperson, but Adora no, for sure. No, but Adora, absolutely. As... Camille is approaching the dressing room. She even picked out, it was a really pretty dress with the long sleeves that she picked out, that blue number that she never mm-hmm. got to try on. Right. So she's stripped down to her skivvies and she notices that her like shirt and pants that she draped over the door get pulled off the door and then Adora refuses to bring her anything and the salesperson never brings her that blue dress. Yeah. And Adora wants her to come out and so she walks out of the dressing room. But before that, she is constantly, before this happens, asking for Emma to go wait in the car. Oh, yeah. Before she comes out, she keeps yelling, go wait in the car, please. Have Emma wait in the car. Emma leave. And Amber doesn't. Uh-huh. I think Adora says, you stay right here. Because mm-hmm. she wants to publicly humiliate Camille. Oh, of course. So Camille finally comes out. And Emma's taking it all in, looking at everything. Adora basically says that she self-harmed out of spite. And that was her father in her. Right. I liked how the camera was painting was Emma's point of view. So she was going down and looking at all the scars and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was very interesting to do. Because we could have just had like a wide shot of everyone's reaction. They really wanted you to get in. The shock that Emma felt in that moment. Emma presents Camille with a dress and apologizes. And I really liked that dress as well. I liked the blue number more, but this white number oh. is very like... It looked good on her. I'm going to be running out in the fields kind of dress. It was I'm very frolicking pretty. in the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking sweet tea on the veranda. We see Adora get ready in that pink dress. She has Alan zip her up. And then when the festivities actually start, she's in that blue number. She had to upstage everyone. She found something fancier and put on. Dumb. That was her bopping around the house dress. That's right. She's very fancy. Yeah, she had to have that like embroidery beadwork on for the actual event. That was tight on her buttocks so Vickery could watch her walk around. Yeah, she was waddling. She was, as uh, my girl in Steel Magnolias said, Clary like two hogs fighting under a blanket. <laughs> I liked Camille's dress. Uh, I liked her hat and her little braid. I thought that was cute. Mm -hmm. We see it is officially Calhoun Day. The celebration is in full swing. Richard shows up. The whole town's there, actually. Bob Nash pulls up with his truckload of kids drinking out the back of the car with his flask. And Vickery's there with his wife. And there's this weird tension between when Vickery and the wife go to be greeted by Adora. Because the wife obviously knows that she's boinking him. The weirdest tension ever. They did it so well. And then he goes off to like man his post and his wife's all like, be careful. Which, can I please remind you, they're murdering little girls. Not middle-aged white men. Like, calm down. Oh, that's kind. Vickery's an old dude. Yeah, I guess he's older than middle-aged, isn't he? He's like... Dirt. He was around for the invention of dirt. (laughs) He was around for the original Calhoun Day. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> he was old at the original Calhoun day. <laughs> God, he really came for this man, dude. Richard, while he's walking around, kind of people watching everyone, Camille sees him from the upstairs window and it's all very cute. She's like, oh, he came and she's happy. But he notices that Bob Nash is heavily drinking, like I mentioned previously at the party. We cut to Camille making her way through the party trying to get to Richard, but she keeps getting stopped by everyone. Jackie O'Neill and that bold bitch pack. Mm. Yeel bitch pack. <laughs> by Ashley, who 
is pissed because she, she didn't mention Ashley at all, which probably for the best, because she a bitch. And while she's talking to Ashley, Ashley's got this ugly ass floppy hat on. And Frank, there's a quote here. So like, did I just get threatened by a 16 year old girl in a floppy hat? The fuck? <laughs> did she just come at me? <laughs> girl, headbutt that floppy hat right off you. Right with your attitude. <laughs> True. But don't. I'm from St. Louis. Well, bam. And she blows her off and keeps walking. And while this is going down, Adora actually sees Richard and whisks him into the house to give him a private tour of the house. And she even takes him to see her bedroom, which is fucking weird, and makes him take off his shoes because of the ivory floors, like I mentioned in the previous episode. It's a whole thing. And kind of roundaboutly tells him that Camille is dangerous and you don't know her like I know her. And there are things about her that you don't know. Which Adora constantly refers to Camille as dangerous. Is that because she harms herself? Because she's only dangerous to herself. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I think she's also, quote, dangerous to Adora because Adora can't control her. That's a good point, too. That's kind of the other track I was on, so... He finally comes out of the house and Camille meets with him and asks what that was all about. And he just said, your mom's being weird, (laughs) basically. And then they go to watch the play that is going down where Emma is Millie Calhoun, Zeke Calhoun's uh, child bride and the namesake of Calhoun Day and their quote unquote story. This is going down. We find out that Emma actually took drugs right before going on stage. So she's hiring a kite and it kind of goes off without a hitch, but she sees that Camille, who is explaining the play and everything to Richard, isn't really paying attention to her, which I think kind of messes with her head a little bit. And then a fight breaks out between Bob and John. So Bob Nash and John Keen, Bob, the father of Anne, and John, the brother of Natalie, the two girls who were murdered. Because again, as we mentioned last time, they both think each other did it. Right. Reasons. Uh, Which it makes Emma freak out and she takes off running. No one saw her run though, so people suspect that she got kidnapped. So the guests go on a search for Emma. Adora's wailing on the porch for some reason. And, uh, hold on. So Camille ends up actually doing something about it and going into the woods with the rest of the people. And she sees visions of Marion that lead her to the hunting shed where she does find Emma scratched up, crying, but she's okay. She's safe. So she brings her home. We see that Emma is resting in bed and Camille comes out to the porch where Adora is sitting and the two of them, she asks, Adora asks Camille to sit down and join her. Basically, she apologizes. This whole scene was so confusing. She apologizes to Camille and um, for earlier in the for earlier in the day in the the for earlier in the day in the boutique for you know having her come out and expose all of her scars to her sister and saying that spite was what was her father in her and she said actually it wasn't spite it was just what was it that she said God, I don't know something toxic as fuck <laughs> yeah the ability not the ability to not or that they can't let let anyone in or something yeah and. Adora flat out was like, that's why I never loved you. You, yeah. Because you couldn't Just, be vulnerable or something. You can't show yourself or something like that. You can't be, like, tended to, cared for. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but yeah. And this sets, obviously, I mean, very understandably, this sets Camille off. She's very distraught. And so she flees. I don't like that. So she leaves the house and arrives at Richard's motel and just has sex with him. And it was very um, interesting 
the way they shot it. Mm-hmm. So she has Richard basically get completely naked. I mean, he's cool taking off his clothes. And she's very yeah. specific to what items of clothing can be removed from her. And mm-hmm. for a little while, they're just like satisfying themselves. And then they move forward. It was very mm-hmm. just interesting the amount of control she has to have over all of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she still remained almost fully clothed, I think, mm-hmm. the entire time. And it was very dark. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember he was, you know, not being forceful, but, you know, doing stuff. And she said, uh-uh, no, my way. Yeah. And made sure of that. Uh, which you enjoyed the scenes coming up to this. But, or, well, you know, you enjoyed him in all his glory until you saw those boxer briefs and then it was all <laughs> over. <laughs> okay, so for some context, you've, you've been saying this entire, like, because I don't think we've mentioned this. You're out to make me sound like a pervert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my end goal. Uh, Well, you've been saying that you didn't like this actor's face. That you had pictured someone different or you pictured him just completely different when you read the book. And then you saw the show and you were just like, well, this didn't measure up how you had imagined it. Yeah, exactly. And so you've been like, I don't like his face. I'm like, I think he's fine. And you're like, really? You really like this man? I'm like, there's nothing on this man I do not like. And then his pants come off, or he answers the door or something, and he's uh-huh. in, like, full-on briefs. And I was like, well, I think I found something that was man I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Not boxer briefs, sorry. Briefs. Yes. Like, tidy whities but they were black. Black. <laughs> and he's got that stupid cross tattoo on and his- And then he's got a cross tattoo in the middle of his shoulders. So I was like, oh, found something else on this man I don't like. <laughs> like, maybe that's his real tattoo, in which case, you know, whatever, but it's just not my thing. I think that was a real tattoo, unfortunately. I've never liked back... This is off topic, but I've never liked back tattoos on a man where it's like a cross or like their name. It's just not... It's a big turn off for me. If it's like actual art, yeah, absolutely. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, that's where that episode ends. Episode six, Cherry. So the episode actually opens and we see that Camille is laying in bed. She's fully dressed. I think at this point she's already awake or we we see her as she's waking up. And Richard is still asleep in bed, but he is butt-ass naked. He doesn't have a sheet or nothing on. He's exposing that perfect ass to the world. As one do. <laughs> when you look like that, as you do, yeah. The scene very quickly cuts over to Vickery as he's getting ready for the day. And Frank, there's a quote about it. Maybe he's just really religious and he wanted to carry the burden of an ugly ass back tattoo. What? So I was admiring the perfect male form. No, I heard you. I heard you. I was joking. What? What? (laughs) What a contrast from the perfect male form to this grumpy sack of shit. Cheating sack of shit at that. Thanks. So Alan and Adora are sitting out on the front porch and Adora claims that she is ill and Kamel is making her ill and Alan needs to deal with it, which she's fine. She's perfectly fine. Are you okay? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm seeing a picture of him in a Speedo being carried by a man. I think this is for a movie. His thighs are redonkulous. Anyways, as Camille's leaving the house in the morning, he calls her over and reprimands her and says that she's making her mother ill and she needs to pack up and get out because she's just talking about these dead girls too much. How could you talk about dead girls around a woman who's lost a child? And Camille said a line that I really liked, which was, huh, and to think, I always regretted us not communicating. (laughs) 
then walks off the porch flipping him off the whole time to her car and she's like i'll be gone when i'm when i'm gone it's only a couple more days yeah i thought the way alan had handled that was really interesting because adora as camille is driving up the driveway adora is saying that she has to go and she tells alan you need to express your feelings about this when alan talks to her he's just like well i think you need to change your attitude if you don't you know, if you don't stop talking about this, then I'm going to have to ask you to leave. It's very interesting. It just definitely shows their contrast in personalities. Adora is a very all or nothing, demanding, aggressive person, while Alan is very passive and lets things slide a lot more, which is the only way he lives with Adora. So we start seeing some flashbacks of Camille of when she was in high school. As we've mentioned before, she was a cheerleader. You see that she's got blood on her. Her little nasty little cheerleader friends are mocking her for being on her period. And there's this one girl in the bunch named Becca who actually notices that she's self-harming and she's got the word cherry carved in her thigh. Mm -hmm. And she helps cover it up as far as like the whole incident. And tries to make her feel better about it. Yeah. And then it flashes back to the present day and we see that Camille is joining her old friends for brunch. Which she kind of got roped into at the Calhoun Day thing because she was trying to get away from them. Yeah. I would also like to say Becca is the second person of color that we see. I was focusing oh. on my teeth. Okay. I thought you went like, what? I was like, no, she was definitely black. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice. I don't see color. I, uh, no, I saw <laughs> She was not treated well by the other girls at all, but she did seem to be partial to Camille, probably because Camille wasn't an absolute piece of shit. So yeah, she gets roped into that brunch, and I guess I didn't realize it was brunch because she was drinking hard liquor in the truck. Yeah, she was. She was drinking bourbon. (laughs) With the pregnant chick. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't partake. Winks. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that seemed really, like, sus to me. I was like... It's one thing for her to be carrying it around in her center console. And then she's like, I don't partake. And I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, she's just DDing for right now. And uh-huh. then she did the wink. And I was like, oh, shit. Do authorities oh. need to be called? Is right. She right. Uh, contributing to fetal alcohol syndrome? This is getting really dark. I know the show is dark, but like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she gets picked up for this brunch Let's be honest. It's just an excuse to cry over a TV show, drink, and bitch about your problems. Yes. One woman's crying because her husband doesn't want to have a fifth child. And another one's crying because she's going back to work. And I was like, yeah, this is the only one in this whole room I can relate to. I also cry when (laughs) I have to go to work. Although this lady's been not working and then is transitioning back into the workforce. I just cry on Monday mornings. Um, (laughs) In my bathtub, alone. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. She ends up really connecting with Becca. She even calls her out on it of, why are you being so nice to me? We were held to you in high school. And Becca reveals that she understood the meaning of the word cherry that's carved into her leg. Of It's shiny on the outside, but it's a hard pit on the inside. They kind of have their little piece about it. And she actually drives Camille to the liquor store where Camille says that she'll walk home. Yeah. One last thing in that brunch scene, this bitch walks out and she's like, I don't think any of your, like your entire heart is unlocked until you give birth to a child and you're a mother. I know I wasn't even a woman before I had my kids talking Mm -hmm. to Camille, saying that she couldn't empathize with the dead girls, that it wasn't impacting her the same way it was them because they're moms, which I don't think is correct. I don't think that's fair. At all. I have heard it explained a million times by a million different people who have all had children, but I understand that something changes when you have children. Yeah. But it's not that it makes you a magical fairy that understands love and that childless people don't understand it. You know what's funny? The majority of people that say that thing 
also would kick their kid out if they were gay. <laughs> I found a strong correlation between those two things. So, um, <laughs> I also understand that as a parent, it becomes so much more of a nightmare something happening to your child. Of course. But a person without children can still imagine that nightmare. Especially someone who has lost their little sister at mm-hmm. a young age. So it was just those women being shitty to be shitty. But Exactly. And then in the meantime, while Camille's drinking it up with all of these white ladies uh, and, <laughs> and Becca. <laughs> and Becca. <laughs> and Becca. We see that Richard is starting to dig into Camille's past and finds out about the psychiatric hospital and even drives up to St. Louis and visits it and meets with the doctor to kind of find out why she would have been checked in there. Of course, he can't reveal too much via HIPAA, but thank God he starts to understand part of her history and part of her background there. He even implies that the patients may be violent. Like, are the patients violent? And the doctor says, no, they're a danger to themselves, but normally no one else because they're right. self-harming. I get what he's doing there, probing for information, but I don't, I don't like that. I'm glad that the doctor corrected him. I'm glad that in this show, they made a obligatory statement of generally, no, they're more of a danger to themselves than anyone else because right. they're expressing their pain on themselves. Mm-hmm. When Camille gets to the liquor store and says goodbye to Becca, she ends up purchasing liqueur, of course, because she's a blossoming young alcoholic. And she ends up seeing Emma and her friends come slamming in to the grates outside, banging on the windows, making a bunch of commotion. They're already kind of drunk as it is. Whenever they find Camille, oh my gosh, you're at the liquor store. I can't believe you're here. We found her. Yeah. (laughs) Frank, there's a quote here. She can't believe she's here. There's a liquor store and a bar. She ain't at one, check the other. Found her. <laughs> oh, where are we going to find the alcoholic? Uh, <laughs> where are we going to find literally anyone in town? Because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> Thanks. They end up inviting her to the party that they're going to. And she says, no, I don't want to go to the party. But they end up taking her anyway, saying that it'll only be five minutes, five minutes, and then we'll take you home. So they load up into the car with a bunch of boys, a bunch of boys. There were two boys, but that's a bunch of boys, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Emma, who's riding shotgun, offers Camille oxies, which Camille does take one Mm -hmm. because reasons after she has talked into it. I'm not going to say that she's not an adult. She can't make her decisions. I'm just saying that Emma was convincing. Mm-hmm. But at the party, John and Ashley end up showing up. But soon Emma and her friends drunkenly verbally accost the two of them, saying that he's a baby killer. I can't believe there's a baby killer here. That kind of thing. And so they end up leaving because John's not here to deal with that shit. Emma drags Camille upstairs where they form a circle and they start taking ecstasy. Two of them end up roller skating home because because Camille wants to go home and she's staring at flowers and they're having a good time. And Emma talks about how yellow's her favorite color when she's stoned, but that's not really being stoned in my opinion. Being stoned is weed. They're taking what I consider to be hard drugs. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they roller skate through Wind Gap and I think this helps Camille to kind of go back to her childhood and feel that sense of euphoria and innocence for a minute. When they get home, they kind of crash and like flop into the yard and Emma begs for Camille to take her to St. Louis. Finally, Camille agrees and Emma just hits that bitch like a linebacker, just takes her out in the yard. And then Emma and Camille go upstairs where they pass out. Camille is laying face down on the bed. So is Emma, I think. And Adora just watches in disgust and disappointment, which you made a point here. And I just wanted to touch on it because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. You mentioned, why do we keep seeing Emma's underwear? Mm -hmm. I explained that the way I interpreted it 
was not in a sexual connotation because it's not from like the ground up, like an upskirt shot. It's like when she flops on a bed carelessly. Mm-hmm. It's almost a childlike thing that she does. She's trying to be so hard to be grown up and be an adult and be sexual and sexualized, but she just also is a child still and she doesn't think about it when she flops on a bed. Also outside while they're talking, Emma makes a great point that she lets boys do a lot of things to her. And so Camille says you shouldn't let them do that, to which Emma explains that by me letting them do it, I take control over it. And so I have the power. Boys are easy, but girls are harder. By letting them hurt her, she's getting a a messed up sense of power over them Mm -hmm. in her mind. I don't know if I explained that correctly, but I tried. It's fucked up. (laughs) We'll be right back after a quick break. Episode 7, Falling. So Camille wakes up and finds that she's no longer in her clothes. She's in an old-timey white nightgown and she's being treated by Adora. Adora is trying to wrap her ankle because while she and Emma were out in the yard the night before, they were holding hands and spinning around with one another and that's when yeah. she fell. And when Emma took her out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So her ankle's all purple and stuff. Adora really wants to just dote on her. I don't want to say heal her, but basically. And she wants to give her medications and this, this, and this. And actually Camille already starts having a little bit of a flashback of rejecting medication from Adora throughout this Uh whole episode. The whole conflict that the two of them always had, butting heads, of Adora wanting to take care of Camille and Camille rejecting that. While this is happening, we see that Richard is continuing his investigation of Marion's death. Gets pointed in the direction of, well, I think in the last episode, he's talking with Jackie. Jackie says she doesn't talk unless she's drunk and then he ends up finding her that night at the bar where she's toasted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Reveals a lot of things to Richard as far as who he needs to talk to yeah camille's complicated relationship with adora marion's whole thing and where he could go to find more information about the death points him in the direction of a nurse who now works at like a meth clinic yeah who held on to all of these records and when she started raising hell of well marion's coming into the hospital a lot this thing's been investigated she was actually let go Richard actually counters Vickery about it. And Vickery's like, well, did she tell you that she was fired for malpractice? And like tries to twist it, that the whole problem Uh was actually the nurse. And of course, not Adora. So while he's talking with the nurse and then he goes over to another place and is looking through medical records, he finds out that Marion was actually poisoned by Adora, who likely has Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Munchausen by proxy is basically making someone near you sick so you will get praise for taking Taking care care of of them and making them better. Yeah, so Munchausen syndrome is like you're constantly sick and then it's almost like hypochondria, but like this is worse than that. You're self-harming. You're actually making yourself sick so you can be healed. And then by proxies afflicting someone else. And it's generally for attention. For sure. Then it cuts back over to the house where we see that Emma is sitting in front of her dollhouse and she's a little hungover. Mm-hmm. Adora is trying to give her medicine as well. And Emma doesn't want the medicine and starts telling her, you know, I'm actually not sick. I had a two or three beers last night. Adora flips it and was like, well, if you're so grown up, you don't need medicine anymore. You don't need a grilled cheese. You don't need your dollhouse and starts trying to take the dollhouse apart. Emma crawls into bed and says, no, mama, I'll take the medicine, which we know is poison. It's really messed up. It was really interesting. I don't know if you caught it, but Emma had already spun this whole story that Emma fell down the stairs and Camille caught her and that's why Mm -hmm. they were so banged up. So I thought that was kind of interesting, especially knowing what we know. 
As the police search for him, Camille discovers John Keane at a bar, which I thought was very clever because she went and checked the main bar in town and asked, hey, where else could I get a drink in town? And they say to go over to the Hispanic part of town, which they use a slur to describe it because yeah. of course they do. That points her in the right direction. So she goes over there and she does find John drinking and they have some drinks and she says, hey, if you're killed him, tell me now. They're looking for you already. At least you can get your side of the story out. And he plays along and goes back and forth with her about like, why did you pull out the teeth? He said, because I am a pervert and I can't control myself. You know, just not jokingly, but indulging the idea for a moment. And she says, I know you didn't kill them. He says, yeah, but they don't care. Mm -hmm. My life is over. But his life was already over when Natalie died. They start bonding over this thing of losing a sister and not being able to come back from it. And that leads Camille to letting him sleep off the drinking in her hotel room before he turns himself in. But, uh, that leads to other things <laughs> to where he starts coming on to her, which I will clarify. Yes, we said that he is a high school senior, but he is 18. So at least she's not bedlam kids. He starts coming on to her and because they were bonding over dead sisters and drinking heavily, they end up having sex. During this, it's very sensual as opposed to the scene with Richard. He is very slow. He's reading those words on her skin. She actually lets him take her clothes off completely naked. She just breaks down into tears mm -hmm. because I don't think she's ever had that intimate of a moment before, probably in her entire life. Yeah. So they end up having sex and then the police come in. They bust down the door. He's trying to get his pants on. She's trying to get pants on, anything on. And she ends up shielding herself with a sheet while she has a shirt on. Richard and Vickery come busted in. Richard is just floored over in the corner, mouth open like a fish. Mm -hmm. Vickery asks, you of age, son? <laughs> and uh, John says, I'm 18. He's like, all right, well, he has behind your back. Toes him out of there. And then Camille begs Richard not to go. He doesn't want to hear any of it. He's j very disappointed and distraught. And he says you know, that she's just a drunk and a slut and then leaves. But on his way out, he did throw the evidence that she needed to confirm that Adora did murder Marion in her passenger seat before he left. And she finds this and absolutely breaks. One being all of this going down, but also just breaks down into tears. And there's only one person she knows to go to. She leaves from the motel and heads over to Jackie's house. We get the vibe that it's morning, right? Because Jackie's yeah. drinking Bloody Marys, but she's already like... It's like after. Okay, fine. So she's several deep into Bloody Marys and she keeps telling Camille to drink and Camille just does without any hesitation. Mm -hmm. And Jackie says at one point, you don't like my Bloody Marys. They're not good. I know they're not good. But every mm -hmm. time I tell you to drink, you do so without any argument. Why? And without even thinking about it, Camille says, because it's easier. Jackie kind of takes this in, like, yep, because it's easier. And the two of them start talking more about Marion. Camille asks very specific questions and says, you know, you let all of this happen. Jackie's just kind of repeating all of it in confirmation. Camille's slightly accusing Jackie of being knowledgeable of the situation and not actually doing anything to change it. And Jackie's repeating everything and finally says, well, who was I going to tell? Who was going to believe me? Which we did find out that it was her who made all those requests on the paperwork that got denied. So yeah. she did try. Mm -hmm. As she's kind of in this drunken and emotional state. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of like phased out or a little bit. But she said, I didn't let her do anything. And then she says, and they burned her body. Your mama burned her body. And this just, that's the last thing that 
Camille needed to hear just absolutely breaks. I mean, that's the p- breaking point. Yeah. That Marion was cremated to avoid any further suspicion. She runs out. Jackie tries calling after her, but Camille's gone. She leaves out in a hurry and breaks out in her car. And she's, you can tell she's sick and she calls Curry. Mm-hmm. Manages to say the words, my mother did it. My mother's doing it. My mother did it. Uh-huh. And Curry begs her to come home to St. Louis, apologizes, says, I should have never sent you out there. This is my fault. Just please come home. Please come home. And Camille says, no, I need to end this and decides to go home and confront her mother and that's how this episode ends in the book richard doesn't give her this information this is actually found out by camille herself Mm. she starts to suspect it and so then she goes to jackie which confirms it gotcha so just a little contrast there in the book it was camille who figured it out herself episode eight milk camille returns home to find her family seated at dinner she's visibly distraught visibly upset and messed up emma is sitting at the table dressed up as the goddess persephone who doles out the punishment in the underworld, she says. Adora starts doting over Amma and says that she needs to go back to bed because she has a fever. But now Camille knows what this means. So she fakes being sick in the hallway to get her attention diverted from Amma. So she'll start hurting Camille instead. Adora takes her upstairs, undresses her, puts her in another nightgown in her bed, which was somewhere that Camille was never allowed to go before, and starts poisoning her. Camille laps it up. In a messed up way, I think she kind of enjoyed having her mother actually care about her for at least a moment, even if it was literally killing her. She poisons Camille to almost the point of near death when she tells Emma to go and get help. And if something happens to her, make sure that she tells the police that mama was taking care of her. Go get Richard. Emma tries to sneak out, but she's unsuccessful. Alan catches her. They're both put back into bed, again being poisoned. During this time, Camille's in the bathtub being cleaned by Adora, and very threatening remarks, very passive-aggressive still. She splashes water in Camille's face while they're talking. It's very odd. I remember her splashing, but I thought it was more of a playful thing like you would with an actual, like, toddler. I didn't take it that way. I took it as like a like a mean. You can't move so I'm gonna splash you in the face. No, I don't think. I mean, I didn't. Get Their that conversation at all. was very dark, so it was. I got the vibe that she was speaking to her very condescendingly. She was like a three or four year old. So like she was saying, "I've been waiting for this day. I've been waiting to be able to take care of you. I've yeah. been looking forward to this for so long." Okay, that makes sense. About that time, Adora ends up going uh, downstairs, I think, to get more medicine, and leaves Camille in the tub. But Richard knocks on the door and asks for Camille. But Alan says that she's off with her friends. But Richard sees her car in the driveway, so he knows this is not the case. She hears this and she tries to get herself up and out of the tub, a towel wrapped around her all while calling Richard's name, but is unsuccessful. He Alan's leaves. music's up so fucking loud, you can't hear shit. Yeah. Plus, she's so weak, she can't say anything. Right. We see Camille, like you said, get out of the bathtub, manages to kind of get out of the bathroom and she sees that Emma didn't leave to go get help mm-hmm. and Emma says that she still had to be mama's good girl she still needed to be the good girl and so she Camille returns I guess back into Dora's bedroom yeah and is looking out the window and sees Richard drive off and she collapses on the floor I think even before she really gets to the window it's at that point where Adora runs over to her and is going to take care of her and then it kind of jumps ahead a little bit I don't know how much time has gone on but we start to see flashing blue lights being reflected from outside up on the ceiling and stuff and you see that the police are there mm-hmm. you see Richard arriving and Curry is there as well Curry has come down from St. Louis Chief Vickery and Richard are busting through the door Alan's trying to prevent them from coming in 
in. Curry and Richard find Camille on the floor, wrapped in that towel upstairs. Curry calls out for an ambulance. Adora is arrested for poisoning her daughters. There's several police there. I mean, all throughout the house. Oh, yeah. They brought brought the big guns. (laughs) Yeah. So they're all sweeping through the house trying to find the drugs or the poison. While Richard's looking through the house, he finds the bloody pliers that match the murders of Anne and Natalie. And as we mentioned towards the top, this is when Richard starts to see not all of, since her torso was covered with that towel, but most of her scars on her body. And that's when we said that he just kind of like looked and drank it all in. This is intense. This is a lot. But I don't think he looked at her pittingly. It wasn't, oh, you poor thing. It was just, oh, there is no perfect way to respond to that. No. Because even John hooking up with her isn't the perfect response to that either. No. I don't think it was so much hooking up as she was allowing herself to be vulnerable in the moment. I think that was more what it was representative of. Right. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, is John's response to her is still not perfect. It's one of the better ones. I'll put it that I way. I feel like it could be seen as overly romanticized. Yes. You could see that trope in a 13-year-old's Wattpad fan fiction of this celebrity I loved is so perfect that he left his tour bus and came to my house and kissed all my scars and I never did this to myself again. Not that that's what this was, but you see what I'm saying. There is no perfect... Yeah, and I think in that moment it was more of she was so broken on the outside and again, this could be very tropey, but she was so broken on the outside, he saw that on on the inside of Mm -hmm. himself and so it just mutually clicked between them that they had shared a trauma of losing a sister and they were very broken people. I think Richard also had a, not a perfect response but an appropriate response of this is a lot i appreciate that if he couldn't handle it he just walked away yeah he stayed neutral so it jumps ahead a little bit and we see camille recovering in the hospital and Emma's in the hospital bed next to her richard's standing there and he tells her that adora had poisoned her with rat poisoning and that over the years that Emma had built a tolerance to it but of course with camille not being there she did not that they are running their blood samples versus what was found in Marion to confirm that they can use this against Adora in a case. That Adora would have murdered Marion and would have been attempted murder on these two. And he apologizes for the whole thing before he leaves. Yeah. And I think there was a mutual glance between the two of them saying, we can't be together and that's okay. We're just gonna Mm -hmm. part here. That kind of thing. It was on good terms. Yeah. We see Emma that she moves up to St. Louis with Camille. She befriends a neighbor girl named May and... They seem to be having a great life. Emma seems to be adjusting well. Camille takes her to visit Adora because I'm assuming Emma requested it. But everything seems to go- be going well. They have dinner at Curry's house. May is wanting to go into journalism or TV or writing, just like Camille. Emma wants to be a personality, which she credits to her gift of the gab. But then May goes missing. And her mom stops by to try to find her. Uh, And Camille explains that they went to the park or something. She'll send May back home whenever she sees her. And she's going through the house cleaning up. And she sees that a blanket that May had made for the dollhouse that Emma brought with her is in the trash. So she picks it up and she takes it back in there. When she starts looking, she sees a molar under the bed. She gets to looking closer and the bottom, the floor of the bedroom, which was made out of ivory, was all made out of teeth, filed down and smoothed out. About that time, Emma walks in and gasps, stunned. Camille looks at her. Emma requests, don't tell mama. Mm -hmm. And it cuts. 
But Camille is just staring at her. Like, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. And then there is a mid-credits scene where we get to see Emma committing the crimes. So she killed Anne and she killed Natalie. And then she ended up actually killing May, which was her first solo kill. Her bitch pack helped her kill Anne and Natalie back in Wind Gap. And then the post-credits scene is revealed that the woman in white was, in fact, Emma luring the girls into the woods. So how did you feel about that ending? Now that you could sit on it. Yeah, that was the other part where we stopped and had a conversation because we don't just <laughs> see Emma do it. I mean, we do, but it's in the same it's style flashes. of all the flashbacks. So it's very cut, yeah. like flash, flash, flash. And I went, well, what just happened? And you're like, well, do you just want to wait for tomorrow? I'm like, no, because I want to make sure I understand what the fuck just happened. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting, especially because I listened to last week's episode today. Mm-hmm. And I even told you at the end, I don't trust Emma. Emma says that she can get her friends to do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. I love how editing that episode, you for word said, got my eye on Emma for some reason. <laughs> like, and I don't trust Adora about- or Alan. I like all three of them. Mm-hmm. But you like, were right. Yep, didn't like any yeah. of them. But how did you feel about it? I liked it. I just wasn't sure if you were like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't uh, my dad's a serial killer and I want to hook up with my dad. Not hook up with my dad, but I want to hang out with my dad and kill everyone so I can hang out with my half-sister, stupid. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. a new metric for everything. It kind of made sense once it all broke down. Yeah, so we see that Emma, I cannot remember her name. I feel like that's a fucking made-up name to me. Emma, instead of Emma, it's uh Emma, because Uh Alan, Adora. So dumb. It's kind of revealed that Emma has this whole, like, jealousy thing. Oh, yeah. She wanted to be Adora's good girl and couldn't stand that Adora was tutoring other girls and was trying to take care of other girls, so that's why she killed Anne. And then when Adora moved on to Natalie, that's why she murdered Natalie. As you said yesterday, she went off to kill May because May says she wants to be either in politics or journalism. And of course, Mm -hmm. Camille's a reporter. She didn't want Camille to dote over May instead of her, which we don't even know that that would have happened. Exactly. But it just, she's a psychopath. That's all there is to it. She has been poisoned from such a young age that it's messed up her brain. What's scary is is how fast she can flip. She is very convincing that she cares about things and is quote unquote normal. But we see her being able to lie on on the fly and she has a secret phone that her mom didn't know about. And it made sense. Like everything lined up when that came about. But we don't know if Camille's going to turn her in. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, and I'm okay with that kind of an open ending. Okay, so what do you think Camille will do? Also, Camille wrote her like magnum opus of a fucking story at the very how end. How she so. was, she was like, do I also have Munchausen or am I choosing kindness? Yeah. And she's like, I think at the end of the day, I'm choosing kindness. But that's such a tricky thing. I think had Camille not gone to that rehab and like started to work on herself, obviously she's still drinking, but she, as far as we know, isn't self-harming anymore. She keeps saying. Yeah. And we don't see her drink in the last bit Right. As far as we saw her when she was in Wind Gap. It's basically yes. all she did was drink. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is we've seen that Camille has put work into herself. Yes. Has such a good thing going with Curry and Curry's wife as far as work and a work family. Uh-huh. Or a chosen family that I don't think she can continue to help Emma. So you think she would probably put her in a facility? Right. To get help? I think so. Because someone who didn't work on themselves and wasn't aware of how much something like that would drag you down, Mm -hmm. I think would feel the 
compulsion to try and fix them themselves. Yeah. But I think Camille's done too much work into herself to be like, I could do this. I'm going to do this to myself, even if it takes me down too. Mm -hmm. I would love to know the fallout of May going missing. I would love to know where that leads. I don't think Camille would tolerate it though. I think Camille could deal with a lot of things out of Emma. Drug use, drinking, sex, whatever. I don't think she would protect her for Emma's own good Mm -hmm. and the good of others public safety of little girls. So really quick, I just wanted to kind of go over some quick differences in the book versus the show, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. In the book, Curry does not come for Camille. Curry isn't as prevalent in the book because it's all from Camille's point of view. Curry is, we can tell, is a big influence on her, just like in the show, but he's he doesn't come to rescue her. Mm-hmm. So that is different. It was just Richard, I believe, who came and got her. Then we don't know that there is a affair between Vickery and Adora in the book. I think it's just a red herring. It's the same thing with, like, Emma and the teacher. That wasn't in the book either. Mm-hmm. Alan, like I said, is very almost non-existent in the book, so there's no stereo loud music shit going on. Her stint in rehab was a lot longer in the show than it was in the book. It was more glossed over. Alice wasn't named in the book. I think she did have mentioned she had a teenage roommate that killed herself, possibly, mm-hmm. but Alice was not a character. Also, I think John wasn't arrested in the book. He was not? He was not. Interesting. We did find out, though, that Emma did, in fact, kill Natalie in the carriage house right by John's bed, though, which mm-hmm. is pretty messed up. <laughs> She had started framing him from the beginning of Natalie's murder. Mm -hmm. Murdered her in the carriage house and all that stuff. And then made those posters of John accosting him in public and it just caught on throughout the school and like really insidious stuff. But I'm glad that you liked it as something to clear out summer short. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it a lot. I don't think I want to sit down and watch it again like in the next week or two, but if I got some free time in another couple of months or something, Mm -hmm. I think I would sit down and watch it again just start to finish Mm -hmm. maybe dedicate a weekend to it again and just take the whole thing in as a whole because i do want to start watching for clues earlier that it was amma yeah although if someone like me who's not really good at guessing that kind of thing caught it pretty early on i think it must be pretty apparent Um, yeah i think it was more subtle in the book but again we're working on a tight schedule here and Mm -hmm. they have to plant enough clues to make sense otherwise you don't have a good resolution as we saw a few weeks ago those clues are a little too subtle (laughs) yeah i uh i think it was a good way to finish out the summer new beginnings for camille and emma when she goes to jail (laughs) yeah man i feel like i i just had a weight lifted off of me because last week when we were recording i just kept being like you know normal like i would say something vile that emma didn't normal teenage girl shit just you know being being a bad kid at 13 just ugh. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, ah. <laughs> okay, so as we have been saying, this is the end of summer shorts. We're going to take a teeny tiny little break. Um, there will be no new upload next week. The week after on the 30th, we're going to drop a special episode. We've mentioned it a few times this summer that we had recorded an episode with a guest and something went weird with the guest's audio and we were able to salvage the episode, just the two of us. Because we're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it. Cameron will love that. so we're gonna drop our movie special episode on the 30th and two of us talking about a movie that we both hated and then (laughs) the week after that i think is labor day and that will be our season two trailer yeah and then season two will kick off the week after that so tell us what you think season two will be because we're playing a game (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll be sprinkling some clues through our Twitter and our Instagram, probably on Instagram stories, to follow along on this scavenger hunt or journey with us. We're getting our sleuthing on, just like Camille. Well, we're the one planting the clues. They're sleuthing. Okay, well, then we're the mastermind behind it, and they're sleuthing. Yeah, to figure out what season two is going to be. And if you already know, don't blow it up in our Twitter. That's not fun. Or DM me if you know. That's fine. Yeah. To follow along on this journey on Twitter or Instagram is at bitchwatchpod and then our website is bitchwatchpod.com. I am on Twitter at ec underscore witzy w-h-i-t-z-y and then I am on Instagram at witzy12. Yeah and you can find me over on Instagram at bean.betrito if you want to find me on Twitter drop the dot. Yeah. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. (gasps) I got it right. Oh my Mm -hmm. god. <laughs> Just nods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Been 15 weeks, uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> so remember to make good choices. Or don't and be smart about it. I won't add anything dumb this time for you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> two bitches, yeah. Two bitches, two bitches. Just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch.